So, Coca Heads happened. Um, I believe you watched the beginning of it, uh, which is cool, even though it was really late for you. It was really late. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I know. I, I know. remember us saying like, "Oh no, we're, we're not gonna make this one." When yeah. then we were. Sort but of I sent you a message like 15 minutes before, and I was like, "Look, just in case you're up, you're probably up." We, we were uh, already I think the night before we the stream. Yeah. Ah, uh, okay. Because I think the night before you'd sent a really late message, so I was like, "Oh, you're probably still on a bad sleep schedule." <laughs> <laughs> Wait until we get into the Swift UI segment of this week because uh, uh, yeah. there's another. The late night story. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You sent it even later. Was it the night after or two nights after? You sent an even later message. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. So um, I I really enjoyed being able to tune in for the uh, Coco Heads online meetup. Um, but you mentioned in your year re- in your month in review segment, you were talking about the HomePod. Um, yes. Yes. I, I was intrigued, uh, and I want to have a bit of a discussion about yep. um, your thought behind um, the HomePod. So um, there's been, I think, earlier this week, um, there's been reports that HomePod has been changing to run tvOS instead of iOS. Mm-hmm. And I'm interested. This is hear- actually really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we had like, some discussions, Kai and I, as well. So my my first thought was, and I I've heard you talking about it on. Uh, at Cocoaet, so it was a bit different. My first thought was interesting. So HomePod sales probably not as great, right? TV, um, Apple TV sales probably not that great. Um, and TV speakers, all of them really, really terrible. So I thought, like hey, non-Apple TV yeah, speakers, like speakers on it on any of the mm-hmm. LED or OLED or whatever TVs you might buy, because oh. they're all flat and don't have any any good audio. Mm-hmm. So I thought, hey, is this maybe a way of have Apple bringing a like a soundbar type device, right? You have a HomePod that you put in front of your TV. Mm. It runs tvOS, so it can run all the TV stuff. tvOS already comes with all the AirPlay features that you would want, and it clearly runs your HomePod now, mm. so you could do all the HomePod stuff and all and the I serious think, stuff. And I think the HomePod has also already been a very media-focused device. You don't really need everything else from from iOS to it, and it's more similar to tvOS in that sense. So... I feel like this makes sense, what Kai is sort of... Again, that was kind of my first thought. Yeah. In general, Apple doesn't really do those kind of... It feels more niche but I mean, realistically, most people have a TV. Most people do like to hear what they're watching while they're watching TV. Yeah, and but I also think that the Apple TV is already quite niche, and I think it's something that people might not feel like they need. I don't think many people go out and think... Many many regular people don't go out and think, I need an Apple TV, but many people would want a better stereo system for their TV. And that's why I'm thinking if they have something that includes both, that could be really and appealing. technology-wise, it's kind of going through the same channels, right? You would probably connect your, your TV with HMI to the soundbar, which would then both do audio and video, you know? So you kind of have that already. So it's actually a lot of the parts of it are kind of could in theory. I don't know. Yeah, and it makes sense as an AirPlay output device as well, which mm-hmm. you'd get a lot of from. I know you can AirPlay through the HomePod as it is, but yeah, if you if you go with TVOS as sort of the backing for that, mm-hmm. that's already mm-hmm. a pretty stable AirPlay platform. And that's TVO- actually yeah, it's actually a really interesting thought that I hadn't considered. And I think the Apple TV at the moment also have multi-user account support, which would be beneficial for music as well. True. Yeah, that's a, yeah, it's a good point. There is multi-user on TV mm-hmm. and not iOS, at least, or mm-hmm. at least not in the like non-classroom yeah, like version of iOS. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you use that uh, multi-user on Apple TV? Yeah, but it kind of is, it is very semi-multi-user. Like only yeah, very few yeah. things actually, yeah. like apps. I yeah. don't think can actually switch on that, right? So apparently, there is an API for it. I haven't worked out 
how to use it. Okay. Um, and I don't know of any apps that do it. I would actually use it if it meant that if I changed my profile, suddenly Netflix was on my profile yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Uh, my other streaming services were on my profiles. But, mm. yeah, it, apparently there's a way because I read a maybe a blog post or a tweet or something by, like, HBO in America, like an app that I can't use that mm-hmm. said they support it. And okay. so, I don't know if it was HBO, but it was, like, something like that. Um and that was the only example I've been able to find of it being possible. So, I'm not sure. I did a quick dive into the APIs mm-hmm. and I couldn't see anything. But that was, like, uh, very, very quick. Mm-hmm. So. But it's also for things yeah. like, I mean, not a lot of people do play games, I assume, on Apple TV. But mm-hmm. for that, it's kind of useful, right? Yeah, to yeah. not share a game state. Yeah. Those kind of- yeah. I think especially now when Apple Arcade is a thing, I think more people might, theoretically. In theory, could pe- more people could play games on uh, the Apple TV or on the new HomePod soundbar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, maybe. I feel like that's. Uh, I mean, it seems strange to just change to TVOS for the sake of it, right? I feel like there has to be a should be a reason for it. But I think you had other ideas behind it, Zach, right? Yeah, there were two sort of. Um, there were two ideas that sort of sprung to mind that were also, I think, covered in articles as well. But the the first, so this this wasn't mine, this is from one of the articles, was that it's probable that iOS will drop support for the A8 chip this year, mm-hmm. which the HomePod has in it. Um, but I assume because the HomePod's only a couple of years old, they probably want to keep the updates going. Mm-hmm. And the fourth gen Apple TV also has an A8 chip and they're probably going to, like, you, you would presume that the fourth gen TV gets an update this year. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's a way to continue supporting the architecture that the HomePod is running. Uh, that's good theory but then the other one which was more interesting to me and this is something that has been on my mind for a couple of years now is that the homepod like, so ios is designed to run on power constrained devices mm-hmm. um i like, it's very rare for an ios device to be sitting plugged in and also being used and you probably shouldn't design software for it with that in mind you should design mm-hmm. software for ios with the assumption that somebody's on the go mm-hmm. with TVOS, there is, TVOS is not power constrained in the sense that you always have a power supply. You know that. You know that if an Apple TV is on, it's plugged into power. So, you can do a bit more with sort of the always on the home hub style things. Like, um, I think you can use your Apple TV as a home kit hub and all those oh, kind of things. And, yeah, the HomePod yeah. and the, the Apple TV can both be home hubs. Yeah. Oh, well, and yeah. so... Yeah. Um, when you think about it from a TVOS perspective, you can design sort of with the idea that you can design with that assumption in mind. And I remember speaking to somebody just after the HomePod first came out and they were very excited about it from the thing of don't think of it as an iOS device. Think of it or, or think of it as an iOS device that's always plugged in, that's always got power, that isn't constrained mm-hmm. by things like um, battery life. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so just from having that discussion a couple of years ago, and now I think we're seeing the like the result of well, or the, like Apple realizing that of <laughs> hey maybe we can um, run software on this thing like like on this thing like it's always plugged in like it is yeah um, as yeah does that make sense See, that that would make sense but that also eliminates the idea of potentially having like a like a portable speaker sort of like a boombox yeah op- yeah uh, um, option possibly yeah, yeah which but I, in general I didn't think I I, I I did I feel like many people. I see many people having like portable speakers and I felt like that was a space Apple could go into. Um, Might be more of a Beats thing than an Apple thing. Yeah, I would agree with that. That would be funny. A Bluetooth Beats speaker that runs TVOS. (laughs) Like, what the (laughs) heck is happening? (laughs) But like, just thinking, I mean, this is just like the thoughts just come into my mind, but like just thinking about it, the time people use those kind of 
those outdoor like loudspeakers it can be quite good if you're having like people over and you just like put it in the backyard and move mm-hmm. it around the house or things like that but other times it's like it can be annoyance in public like walking <laughs> people walking down the street That's or true. like at the beach Do or you, whatever where people yeah. have loud music does Do apple really, really want to be that company, company with oh i hate that speaker yeah. because let's be real if apple made one it would be all white and it would be super distinctive and you know somebody's <laughs> yeah. got that apple one because it would also be the loudest and probably have the strongest bass and it would be like seven hundred dollars so everyone would know that you're the like rich Douchebag with a <laughs> yeah. um, with so a loud just, Apple speaker. Let's just speaker. put it under the Beats brand, okay? <laughs> yeah, like let's let's put the Beats brand on it, and um, people can listen to their rap and hip hop, and it's fine. Um, <laughs> no, okay, I'm I'm mostly saying this tongue in cheek, but like, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure about the the possibility of a portable one yet, but mm. um, but they it does seem likely that they're going to do a smaller one, and I think the rumors are about half the size, and mm-hmm. um, that I assume that would still be like based in the home, need a power supply. Mm. Um, yeah, but overall, it's also realistically iOS and iPadOS are the two important operating systems for Apple. Um, and TVOS, I don't know, like the last few updates, did I get anything? At least nothing that I would have noticed without trying to find release notes. Uh, same for the HomePod. I mean, there were small minor changes here and there, but overall, pretty much not, not nothing happening. So putting the two operating systems that you did are kind of like the backburners, backburner together, maybe also just from an operational and software engineering, uh, and organ like ops standpoint makes sense right to to like all right when we're releasing your ios version we don't have to care about those devices that are like tertiary uh, priority level and that's the thing a lot of the the features being added to ios aren't in any way relevant to the mm-hmm. HomePod. like yeah. who cares about better multitasking or better <laughs> multi-window support like you just yeah. don't really need any of those on mm-hmm. TVOS, and so that I guess then TVOS, if this change is true, TVOS becomes the media playback mm-hmm. OS. Yeah, yeah. It's it's all about consumption. You're either consuming so games, you're predicting videos, media or OS uh, being Ooh, announced. Oh, I like that. <laughs> Not a video HomePod, but you know, like the, they all tie in, like the AV stuff that Apple does. <laughs> video um, HomePod, I like actually, that too. <laughs> <laughs> little little video one, like the Google the Video um, HomePod Pro. One. <laughs> yeah, that sounds a bit like the $700. like the Alexa, um, Amazon Echo thing. Mm-hmm. They have yep. like a yeah. The um, um, have you seen the little the little Google? I think it's the Google Home Hub, the one with the little screen on mm-hmm. it. It's little mm-hmm. cute. Is you can watch YouTube one? videos and stuff. It's oh, not round. It's rectangular screen. Doesn't have a camera. That's the big sort of privacy defining feature of it. <laughs> um. Wow. It's, oh, okay. We were talking about this because I was writing mm-hmm. some text for the Orbit website. Yeah, and. We describe it as being a nicely designed native Mac app. And then we're like, do we really have to put native here? Shouldn't that be like, is that really a selling point? And I just found it funny that now it's a selling point that you don't have a camera on a device to, to focus on privacy. And like, your app privacy should be there by default. It shouldn't be like, we care about privacy. Mm. Like That shouldn't be a selling point. That should be the default for all companies. And we have an app that uses native platform APIs. Yeah. We're like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> But I, I went through my application folder. Which once folder. upon a time is what you would have expected downloading a Mac app. But yeah. now it's like, who knows? I went through my application folder and most of them are just Electron apps that are super wonky in a whole bunch of different ways. And I have a lot of web uh, um, 
uh, Chrome renderers every time I open any of those. Like, it's it's annoying. But I means for us, it's a selling point now. So yeah, I mean, free, I mean, it free is extra. I think when I say native as well, it's like it gives that native macOS experience as well. It's not necessarily about how it's written, but it feels native to the platform, which I do feel is rare right now. But it it's it, minus some uh, of the. Uh, Swift UI issues we've had on Mac. Uh, yeah, yeah, we have had some problems, but Kai found some neat solutions for those things mm. lately. So we should probably talk. Yeah, that's why yesterday at 4 a.m. I had an epiphany of <laughs> See, how you I were up to four. I thought yesterday <laughs> about the word epiphany because it felt like that's what you had, but I feel like epiphany has to be bigger than this. I think you had a you had a great idea. <laughs> Let's put it that way. But it, it's like at I think at about. 11 p.m. I started kind of trying to work towards solving some of the like in Swift UI there are a whole bunch of weird behavior like default behavior around uh, lists on macOS that are lists that are sidebars and then if you only use a mouse or you set your scroll bar behavior in in your system preferences to always show scroll bars there was a whole bunch of weird Things like, yeah, so you mean if the user of the Mac sets yeah. it to always. So, like, for example, sidebars is then showing horizontal scroll bars or a scroll bar gutter. But a sidebar can never scroll horizontally, so it made just mm-hmm. no sense. Let's put a picture in the show notes yeah. just so that people understand what that means. Yeah, so... um and it was kind of annoying, and I didn't want to wrap an entire, like, you know, I didn't want to use AppKit for everything. So I was like, all right, let's 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 keep it as it is, as a native Swift UI list, and then maybe we figure something out. Mm, we and felt radars as well. So mm. that's why we felt like, okay, we, we sort of done what we can. We, sh- we I mean, we want to write in Swift UI. We're not going to try to go around this and but implement everything I, in AppKit. Then AppKit. the radar was, as you would expect, kind of like, hey, uh, either, nah, everything works as intended. Mm. And then I did some more digging and I was like, all right, now I've built like a example app kit, uh, sample project for Apple to show it looked as kind of the, be- the default behavior in app kit. This is the default, default behavior in Swift UI and shouldn't they be, uh, the same? The same because the app kit one is correct and the Swift UI one is, is wonky. Um, and then I kind of started going down this rabbit hole and like, can I maybe get from a Swift UI view if I set a custom view in as an overlay? I can then inspect the view hierarchy and maybe get to the underlying NS view, uh, NS table view. A- anyway, long, 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 uh, five hours until I finally figured out how to, how to solve my issues with the scroll bars of hooking into kind of the, the, v- the view, uh, lifecycle of AppKit views and kind of hooking in in a way that it wouldn't break if Apple ever changes the implementation. Nice. Uh, so, yeah. I think that's an important one is like all the UI appearance uh, workarounds that you sort of suggested to do on Swift mm-hmm. UI. Trying to avoid them is, is usually for the best. So, list stuff seems to be so we found a solution that should both that does both work and shouldn't break if Apple changes implementation, which is good. Mm-hmm. But yeah, hence the staying up till four because that's yeah. gone. I, w- I was already laying in bed and I was like, wait a minute, can I do this? And yeah. I could do that and it fix everything. So yeah. I'm, I'm very happy. It was very productive. And I think we've really been trying to avoid doing, relying on things being implemented in a certain way underneath SwiftUI. We're basically fixing things that Apple 
didn't yet. Yeah, yeah. It's it's only a cosmetic thing. Nothing would break in the app if this uh, is being changed. And I think if it would be changed, that's because they are fixing it themselves. And that would be perfectly fine yeah. for me. Double applying the same fix will not cause issues. Or if they change what backs a list behind the scenes, then our fix will just go into, into the void. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is fine. Yeah. Because who cares about the void? <laughs> cool. So did you want to talk... We're on the topic of Orbit about your new website. Sure. We can talk a bit about um, Orbit in general because I feel like we've been doing some progress and yeah, cool. I think we're... Yeah. We initiated the launch sequence. Yeah, I don't know if you know with the space theme. I mean, you're on the beta, Zach, but I don't know if you care too much about the beta numbers, but we started counting down from T-10 now. Um, so every launch number will oh, be a okay. countdown, like you do in a launch sequence of a robot. Oh, Orbit T-9 is now available. You have T-10. Yeah. Would you like to download so it now? So we're committed nice. here that we can only have <laughs> eight more versions now until we have to launch. Unless we, can you go into minuses? I mean, you started as a minus. That? We can go into the positives. Oh, sorry, uh, can you go into positives? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I would prefer not to. I guess we have to go like T minus 7.5, <laughs> worst case. <laughs> no one counts like that, so I don't know. T minus 0.9, yeah, it, it turns out there's a reason why people have just incrementing version numbers. It, it, we're a lot more conservative now in when we push a build. I mean, we were cl- obviously aware of this, but we did feel like at least this makes us be very... Uh, efficient with our launches like we don't push it too often and we're also making sure that um, we get things done soon mm. <laughs> I think. so the, the idea is that we're kind of going through the countdown then like when we hit zero that's kind of lift off which is the release candidate and then 1.0 will just be the, the first public release mm. which yeah but but it's, it's yeah it's kind of exciting website is now the, the kind of I don't know what would you call this? Like the pre-launch like website? A, yeah, we don't I would have say it's like, a, on there yet it's like a pre-launch product page. Mm. It's pretty straightforward, like what it does. It, it, it basically just shows our roadmap and lets people know that they can sign up if they want to get like a newsletter once we're launched um, or some more information when we add more and more features. And I think that's all we need at this point. We just want to have like a place to point people at. So if we talk to people who uh, like won't remember the name Orbit forever, but they want to continue like following what we're doing, then we can just like let them know about the website. And I think that's pretty much what this will be. Um but then the plan is to like I, I designed the website very much so that we can continue having that as a product page later. So the plan is to continue adding more and more like screenshots. I just didn't want to add it too early, just because I think there are still changes that we will make. Um, I think now when we have this uh, way of changing certain UI things uh, by hooking into AppKit, we might be a bit more, we might change a little bit of our design, uh, mostly in terms of icon design. Uh, I don't want to get into too much, but there were certain things we didn't want to do before because of AppKit, because of Swift UI limitations. And now we can sort of get around that. And then uh, we will change the UI a bit. So I think... I will add some screenshots later on, but for now, I think it works quite well for what it is. And I made sure that it works in dark mode. Um, or adopts the dark mode. Adopts the dark mode, and it also works. It's also adopting to different screen sizes. Um, and yeah. what I'm most excited about, it's super fast loading website. It is uh, like in, in Google Speed, what do you call it? Speed Insights, something like that. Page Insights Speed, I don't know. 
Yeah, it, it, like, it gets 100 out of 100 yeah. for both mobile and desktop. I mean, I think the total size of the website right now is like less than a megabyte. Uh, so it loads very, very quickly. And that still takes like a good 30 seconds here. Really? No, I'm joking. <laughs> 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 I'm just, Australian internet, one megabyte. Yeah, I wasn't sure. I mean, it, it, it is running. <laughs> no, it's, it's fast. It's being delivered it's through don't a CDN, worry. but I don't know what the closest uh, node is to Sydney, actually. It's fast. Joe, okay, good, worry. good. <laughs> mm. I'm teasing. <laughs> funny, Zach. Very funny. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, but... I I'm very happy about it. I'm mm. happy that we're sort of starting to get things related. I guess sort of marketing related things ready now. We have the Twitter. We we've uh, there's another update. Uh, I think last time I commented um, I was talking about our Orbit account on Twitter being locked down or being blocked for malicious activities mm-hmm. or something. Um, but I never used it, so they. Got back to me uh, saying that that was a mistake. It was not uh, intended to be, um, what do you call it, banned, suspended. Um, and now it's unlocked. So I was able to upload all of our new, uh, all of our logos and our backgrounds and everything there. Yeah, so I'm quite but happy also, that. But uh, also, I, I think the support experience was actually pretty good. Yeah. Like, I've yeah. heard horror stories about Twitter support. They got back to me very quickly. Quick uh, and friendly. Once I submitted it through like the appeal document. Uh, which is the? I think that's probably the quickest way of doing it uh, when you have a suspended mm. account. But it's also like super friendly. They were like, "We're sorry that we accidentally suspended your account. Uh, was a false positive in our automated system. We uh, retro- retrofied the mistake and uh, restored your account access. Sorry about that. Hope you're enjoying Twitter or something like that." Was, yeah, yeah, that is exactly what you would hope from this kind of support request. So that was great. Mm. Nice. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, what do you think, looking at it from an outsider's sort of outsider's perspective, Zach? Um, do you find it to be sort like en- en- <laughs> enough for what it should be, or do you think it's something else needed? Yeah, I think um, the most important part at the moment is the sign up, like the email sign up um, to get mm. updates. Because I know, like, if you tell somebody about it, like you said, you tell somebody about it, you want to have somewhere to direct them, but. It's easy to forget about things. It's not like they can mm-hmm, pull out mm-hmm. their Mac right now and download it. Like, if you could mm. do that, then that's a great way to do it. But at the moment, you can't. So, it's like someone gets told about this, they want to they wanna know more or they want to keep in, like keep up to date with it. Being able to put their email address there is super valuable, both for them and for you, because mm. like you have a way to remind them when things are ready or give them an update about how it's going. But also, then mm. they can jog the memories. I, I'm actually a big fan of the... I know, like, you probably... You know, the, the fewer email newsletters you're on, the better. But yeah, I'm yeah. a big fan of those, like, um, very specific purposes of signing up for an email mm-hmm. newsletter. Like, let mm-hmm. me know when this launches and when new version is available. Like, that kind mm. of thing. Like, I do that for a few of my favorite products because mm. it's like, I can't be always on top of all the apps that are updating mm-hmm. and, and what's mm-hmm. new. But to get an email every now and then, it's nice. Um, no harm, really, if I'm not interested. It's just a simple archive. Mm-hmm. So, it's mm-hmm. a good um, it's a good way for um, somebody to, to stay in touch with about Orbis. Mm-hmm. I think that's the most important part. But it is really cool as well on the website. Like, the website looks really good and the supporting dark mode is nice. But it's also cool to sort of have your roadmap there and the public mm-hmm. Trello board for people to look at. So, um, yeah, I think it's coming along. It's got... Like I said, it's got no screenshots yet, but it's got enough for like somebody who's interested mm. to be able to stay in touch with what's happening. And then mm. I imagine you'll update this as you go. In line with our company philosophy, there's no analytics, no tracking, no n- none of that, right? So the only way for us to know whether people go there is also if they explicitly say, hey, 
you let me know yeah. when when you have something to tell. I don't want to just randomly track people just because they happen to hit, click a link on the web, right? So it's mm -hmm. also kind of that way. So now, for all we know, we assume 100% sign up, right? So every person that signs <laughs> up must have been to the website. That's our only form of tracking. And I, mm -hmm. I, I, I like that. Yeah, Speaking of um, email marketing and stuff, I didn't realize <laughs> how many restaurants hold on to your email address when you book with things like The Fork and all those other booking platforms uh, because mm -hmm. of COVID. They're all emailing saying, hey, we're still open, we're still open, we're still open. And I've oh, never really? gotten any emails from these places before. So, don't be like that. <laughs> don't like hold on to your user's email address for two years and then like send all but, these emails suddenly. Mm. On the flip side, if they, if they had access to all those email addresses all along that they haven't used it until they're in an emergency, it's actually a pretty good sign. That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's a, also a good way to look at it. But yeah, I don't yeah. know why they're keeping it. But also, it. why Seems do they fun. hold on to it? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I know why they exactly why they're holding on to it. Like just it's build up these email in their marketing system, database. right? It's not that they yeah. held on to it. It's whatever booking system they mm. they hold, yeah. held on to it, and now they're like, "Whoa, there's access to tell like a way of actually talking to our customers because usual physical real um uh what's it called retail they wouldn't have mm. they wouldn't know who you are. That's why they always have those reward systems, right? So yep. they have yep. an idea of keeping track of you. But a lot of restaurants don't have rewards cards mm -hmm. so and now they maybe for the first time realize wait there is actually a way of telling people that we're open <laughs> yep let me just download this list of customers yeah mm -hmm. that's like that place i went to two years ago i forgot about that place but now they're mm. doing delivery that's good to know <laughs> <laughs> see they got to you yeah yep yeah yeah we actually anyway. ordered a latte for the first time in five weeks oh. or so mm. um there's a coffee shop uh modus in vancouver mm -hmm. and they use i think the square Square has like a ordering portal now. I don't know if it's a result of the COVID stuff or if they had that before, but I've seen that popping up in a lot of a lot more places lately. Mm -hmm. So you can nice. kind of do similar to any other like ordering a head service. You can say order this mm. for pickup at that time. Yeah, so we we ordered uh, coffee beans as well to to mm. keep at home, and then we were able to order this. But it, like the way the restaurant was set up was just so different. It's like very clear that you should not go inside. They have like blocked off the If, as soon as you step in, it's like blocked off, so you can't move around in the mm. store. So everyone, if anyone would be there at the time as someone else, they have to wait outside, which I think was a really good way of doing it. Because I mean, you, there's no need to stand inside and hover mm. around uh, waiting. I mean, you them. can you can like one person can be inside, mm. and like if if you haven't we prepaid, obviously, but if you couldn't, if you wouldn't have prepaid, you can pay there contactless, cash uh, card only, no cash. And you're probably, I would say, four meters away from the barista. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's that's pretty good too. And everyone else has to wait outside. And then you kind of have to wait buffer zone uh, when you leave again. But we got a latte. So that that's a win <laughs> or a flat nice. white, But Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've been doing like a twice a week walk up to a cafe. And then on one of those trips, buying beans to bring home mm -hmm. for the rest of the week. So it's like trying to balance the buying coffee with making it from home and trying to because <laughs> really when i'm at home there's no need to buy coffee but it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. keep the help helping the local cafe mm. uh, yeah. yeah beans beans are a good option for that and you know i feel like people will save a fair bit of money nowadays because you just make coffee at home yeah that's the thing like coffee is the one of those things it's like it's good when you're out and about and like you don't mm. have time to make your own but when you're at home you've got five minutes always to mm. go make a coffee and, <laughs> yeah yeah 
I don't know. But that's why I'm trying to buy the coffee instead of just the beans because I'm really not sure what the markup for them would be like on the beans. Like, they might just be selling them at cost or make a dollar or two. But I'm sure the coffee, there's a bit more margin on that. So mm. Beans usually have a, the benefit with roasting beans is you can make fairly large batches. Mm. So, like, they can also buy like one at a They're time. like a, a wholesaler. Ah, so oh. they don't They're roast not, yeah, themselves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, they have a supplier and yeah. um, it's the coffee they use in the at the cafe, but then mm-hmm. they have the smaller bags for sale. Okay. Mm-hmm. That probably changes yeah. that a bit. Yeah, because yeah, it's the same price if you were to order directly from the like, uh, supplier mm-hmm. directly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, maybe they make a dollar or two on a bag, but it's not much. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I yeah, don't well. know. Yeah, mm-hmm. interesting. It is what it is. Yeah. yeah. Anyways. What were we talking about? <laughs> so, why <laughs> subscription for Orbit? This has been in our, in our notes forever. Yeah, now we should talk who about added it. this in, in, I don't know. in the first place? Was this you, Kai? Maybe, maybe. Maybe I was just trying to put things in the show notes. I mean, at this point, I feel like it's, it's not even much of a discussion in why. I, I feel like at this point, it's quite obvious. Like, it's... <laughs> We build a service for people to use to do time tracking and invoicing, and f- in the future, like expense tracking and a whole bunch of other things, right? Mm-hmm. And it's very clearly a service that that runs on servers that syncs across your devices, uh, that helps people focus on what they want to do rather than on the boring stuff like invoice. Like it's so many companies, uh, like forget or do not send invoices mm. because sending invoices is always annoying yeah yeah i have um a family member of mine is always complaining that someone who <laughs> you're throwing someone anonymously <laughs> under the bus without <laughs> saying which family member it might be no but there's someone he knows who tend to invoice who invoices him for his services and it's just like he he he, he oh he comes my father my 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 family relative all constantly has to remind this person of of sending the invoice because I think it's something that's like easy forgot forgettable because it's like it's a hassle to do it and you'd rather do it in like a bulk bill but it's 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 nice if you can actually bill people frequently because it's nice on the person's side who gets the bill because it's not as big of a cost in one go and it's also nice to have a consistent income if you can. But also, think- turns out people pay you when you send them invoices. People don't pay you if you don't send them invoices. <laughs> Yeah. Hence, send invoices. And considering that that's Is this something- your marketing material? <laughs> yeah. Great. Uh, all on the fly. That's that's how good marketing are we are. And good English we speak. Um, but considering that it's something that people seem to dread and something that we think we make fairly easy and it being like a service, we, we decided, hey, this seems like a... Rather, also realistically, I don't want to deal with like sub- like major updates, right? We've seen that in other things like Arc recently went from Arc 5 to 6 mm-hmm. and then had to make significant changes because it was supposed to be a paid upgrade and then there were a whole bunch of issues because everything changed at once. I don't want to do that. I want something where we can release major updates ideally every other week mm-hmm. or at least every month or so. I, I don't want to have to kind of hold features, especially in the beginning, right? Yeah. Maybe it's different if we get to like uh, Orbit 7.5 and we're, we're like building up to to major update at some point. But in the beginning, we're releasing what, what we think is a useful product. And then we add fairly significant features, like probably within the next four weeks after mm-hmm. launch. And I don't really want to make that a paid upgrade i also don't want to hold them back and say you know what x expense tracking is so big we we have to get people to pay us again because otherwise how do we survive right yeah so it's like a thing where we're 
where we want to be able to ship major updates when they're ready and as soon as possible. Yeah, and we want to be able to continue improving the, the experience for the users as they go because as soon as we can make their businesses easier to run, then I think it's we should do mm. that. And, and also, also we, we do indie. have... Uh, yeah, yeah. And also we will have ongoing costs to uh, support the users as well because we will help with like sending um, sending invoices, sending email reminders and those type of things. And it's definitely like an ongoing an ongoing an ongoing app that people are using on a monthly basis as well. Um, but also for us, right? Or having, a daily basis. Having having subscription revenue is a lot more comforting because in in general, those numbers do not drop all of a sudden. They're not weird waves. They're not seasonal. I mean, I do think we might see a certain seasonality around, like, probably people look for new ways around the end of financial year and those mm-hmm. kind of things, right? So there's probably, like, a, an interest spike in certain periods of the year. But overall, it's not... I don't want there to be anything that's kind of detracting from what we're what we're building and i don't want to have to like try as soon as we launch it i think there's incentive should be for people to pay us the the monthly fee to have a service that they think is worth whatever we're charging which is not not a lot um and for us to to worry about making it better for everyone Mm -hmm. who does pay and to convince more people that it's worth it for them as well and i think that's a very clear and very obvious kind of alignment of incentives and realistically, like the most we'll charge, like we we kind of again, none of this is set in stone, but our our idea is probably to have a fifteen dollar is kind of the 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 fully no discounted price, like the base price. But realistically, we we probably have a special special offer for early adopters that's mm-hmm. kind of in the um kind of five to ten dollar range. Yeah, and, and we especially want to have like an early adopters. Um, pricing tier in the beginning when we don't have all platforms supported like mm-hmm. i think many people might look for an app that they can use both on uh, mac os and ios because they want to have like a they want to know that it works for them in the long term but i think if we can tell them that we are working on ios app they um we're happy to and, and they're happy to like give it a like try it out um only using the mac app i think uh, we're happy to give them a discount for jumping on it in such an early stage but we also want to do it like for example at the moment i do know that more freelancers and contractors struggle than during a non-pandemic period yeah, of yeah. time so i also think it's 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 good time for us to say all right look we're, we're doing the first six months discounted and see how it goes like maybe Maybe we get to, to enough people that we can keep that going for a while and see how everything unfolds. But I, I think that's also a good situation where we can maybe give a bigger discount to to get started. Because, I mean, realistically, people probably have less money to spend mm-hmm. on things that make their work. Like some people don't have work and then spending money on things that make work easier is maybe not the highest priority. Mm-hmm. So and some people probably have a significant cut in their contract work and so we think it's it's kind of good to have like a our normal base price that we're aiming for then having like and then having a discount on that and but assuming that we're going to the full price at some point hmm. yeah yeah i think the price it's not set in stone but i definitely think that we we want to have some discount in the beginning i think it hmm. makes sense especially we thought of having that already before the covid-19 situation started just for our adopters but even now i think it's like I say, much more important to do that just to support as many people as possible to be able to have some, 
like some some more i think people still want to stay organized i know it's <laughs> like it's still very important when you're running a business to make sure that you do invoice people you do time track your time that you're spending on projects so if you still have projects going on i think it's something that people and and it's definitely a fair price i think almost everyone will get even if we would go to the full price at some point i think everyone will get 15 dollars worth of of time savings and and utility out of out of the app and if not they shouldn't pay it right it's i don't want to get people to to pay us money who who do not use the app i i think the people who this or people who this is designed for will get 15 dollars of value out of it and if they can get it for five instead of 15 or 10 or whatever even better mm. that's why subscription good f i think it's good nice. for the users and 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 for us Yeah, like you said, it sounds like it's the best way to make sure everyone's incentives are aligned. I imagine for you as well, it would be nice if you you know get a few subscriptions to begin with, and you see that revenue coming in, and it's like a good motivator to keep going yeah. as well. Mm. And um, also, think it's yeah, a just nice, in general, like yeah. if you're running a business, anything that is going to save you time and hence money, like you're happy to pay for. It's a it's a much easier value proposition um, if something is providing value in terms of time mm. or money um, yeah, yeah. when you're in your yeah. business as opposed to selling to your average consumer. Yeah, we, we'll be on multiple platforms. So I, I don't want to be at a point where we're charging for the iOS app or we're charging for the macOS app and we're charging mm -hmm. for the web access. And I don't know if we get through yeah, like, like a watch, watch app and then we're getting like a web app. Yeah. I, I think subscription, you get access to everything. It's just also for those kind of things, yeah. a very clear business model that is... I think a very good example of where subscription was kind of always like most of the kind of applications within the kind of business services realm, like digital business services, were a subscription for a reason. Mm -hmm. And I think that it makes sense for us to, as much as I would like to do something contrarian, <laughs> I do think this kind of yeah, but I think, makes a lot of sense. Uh, I don't know, this might make you happy, Kai, but I think it's still a bit contrarian because I think we've, uh, we've been looking at other companies plans for those type of services and oh, yeah. all of them are really complex it's like if you want to have um, up to this many users and you want to give them these type of permissions you have to pay different than if they have other permissions or like if if you want to build in multiple currencies you have to pay more per currency and uh, we just want to have like a flat rate for it's so weird right because some of them have like your second user is $15 more the, the third to the tenth user is $7 more and for some reason then it gets more expensive again mm. per user I'm like what are you doing Yeah, and yeah. it's like if your billing currency is different from your, from your, uh, from your like local currency, you you have to go into the premium plan where all of a sudden you pay more money per user. It's like why? Yeah, <laughs> the, 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 where's the correlation between what you're paying and what you're you know? Just because I have 10 people where one person works for a US company like one month, why do I all of a sudden have to bump everyone up to the like $30 per month mm. plan? Every single user of yeah. my team. That's yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. So what we want to do is to just have a very simple, like simple structure in that you get access to everything and then you just pay as you go. Uh, and if you add more users, you pay more per user. But apart from that, like no features are going to be limited. And if you, if you only use a fraction, we think it's still a good value. And if you use the full set, well, even more of a bargain. But, you know, it's it's not. I, I don't... Yeah. First of all, it's it's a pain to implement, like a whole bunch of weird... <laughs> yeah. plies, That's why you have to charge more, okay? Yeah. But it's like, it, it creates so much extra work that no one in the world benefits from, right? No, no person <laughs> on this planet benefits from a super complex pricing structure. Not the company, I, I think, doesn't really. The users definitely don't. You know, the... the 
business owners they're just being like what the heck is going on here you need if your website needs a calculator to figure out how much <laughs> you have to pay i think your pricing structure might be a, a teeny bit too complicated so we don't want to do any of that so very much you pay per user and that's it hmm. nice sounds fair it's almost like the um the backblaze model of just charge everyone the same price and mm. the power users sort of have their things subsidized mm. by the people who don't use mm. it as much, but everyone pays mm. that same. It's really easy mm. from a marketing perspective. It's five bucks a month, mm. no matter what you do. Mm. Um, so yeah, that part's, that part's good. Mm. And um, it's also, and like- even though some users will. Like, not going to cost you more per se, but like cost you more in the sense that you have to build specific features for them that not everyone yep. will use. But then that's mm. offset by the people who just, you know, don't have yep. any fancy requests. And, yeah, but I mean, there could be fine. like people that send 100 invoices per month, right? That costs us more money and more server costs and more email sending than a user who maybe only sends one or two invoices. Mm. But, you know, it's, it's hard. I don't want to have almost one specific plan for each user. I want mm-hmm. a plan that works for everyone. Email us for pricing. <laughs> Super <laughs> enterprisey. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even that is almost better than a calculator. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I'd ever pay for something where I have to email for pricing. It's just too much money. <laughs> I mean, sometimes I can uh, see that from a not email us for price. I, I think like I've seen that for, I forget what it was, something recently where it's like, if you're more than a hundred people contact us, mm-hmm. But I think that's not. I, I, maybe I'm maybe I'm naive. I thought you might get a discount if you're so big. See, that's big. what I thought as well. No, I guess in that extra. case, that sounds like you probably would. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. you know, more than a hundred. You know, it could be like for the first ten users of five bucks a month. The mm. next ninety are five bucks. Uh, yeah, and then it just goes mm. down mm. from there. It could yeah. it could very well be that. But um, yeah, if if there was no pricing or no like clear yeah, kind yeah, of guide, then, it's then just you like know you're, you're it's in, all enterprise. Uh, no, yeah. thank you. But it's also different, right? If you show your per user cost and then say if you're like really excessively many people, contact us, at least you have a baseline. If there's only a contact us, they charge you as much as they think you're capable of paying. Yeah, Which yeah, is maybe true. completely nice different have- from someone else for the same service. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. you don't know what anyone else is paying exactly. either. Whereas at least, yeah, like you said, you have a baseline um, yeah. for so what if, they're charging. If we're saying we people. charge 5 or $10 per user and they contact us and saying, hey, we want 10 and we're like, all right, that's $12,000. They're like, mm, I don't think so. <laughs> and I think that's that's fairer of a But model. also I'm sure in your case, if you, let's say you were charging 15 bucks a month and you had a, a massive company come and say hey we, we want 200 users on this you could probably yeah. give them a discount like yeah, i'm sure you'd be fine to do that deal like it's yeah, yeah it's- but also maybe they need more help to get it set up because you know most users that set it up for themselves probably set it up differently from an organization that tries to set up like a 100 people 200 people team and they maybe want to have certain level of like permissions and then we would obviously help them get that set up for them because i mean having 200 subscribers per month extra is 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 worth figuring out what they need but it's not about building a custom thing custom plan it's more about hey how can we make this still work mm. cool yeah yeah i feel i feel excited about that we uh, we haven't started implementing the sort of inner, <laughs> the, <app. laughs> the, the inner in purchases for this yet but i think we have a good idea now of how we want to structure it we have had some uh, back and forth uh, discussions on how we want to deal with this in an app store context as well um, because the app store isn't really meant for um, like multiple user plans in that sense um, but I think we have a good idea of what to do now so that will be an interesting discussion I think in a few episodes that we can maybe talk about um, right yeah 
let's continue with the Apple stuff. There was actually, it's weird. Usually we're like, yeah, nothing happened. So let's talk about random stuff. This time there was actually quite a decent amount of things happening. <laughs> uh, but we still spoke about random stuff. Yeah, well, that, that is a given. Yeah. Um, one was uh, Apple released a new iPhone. Yeah. Woo. This was very unexpected. <laughs> <laughs> how how yeah. long had it been rumored for? In the year or something? Uh, yeah. <laughs> kind of since the original iPhone SE was released, people yeah. were talking about I mean, what might the next like, SE be. Yeah, yeah, people have been very excited since then. I think it started being more like a realistic thing a year or one, one and a half years ago. Mm. Um, yeah, I feel like this is pretty much what we expected. It's a, it's a lower, it's a, it's a very, it's a cheaper, very much cheaper iPhone option. And yeah. I'm actually really impressed by Apple on this. Very I think, much is questionable. I remember when the flagship iPhone used to start at this price, well, in, at I least in Australia. in 1993 when a video game used to be $12. This was like six years ago or something. <laughs> um, but I mean, there are two things, right? There is definitely, there is. Apple doesn't make cheap iPhones. That's a given. But if you're saying cheaper, it's definitely cheaper than a flagship phone. <laughs> like it's it's roughly um, a third of the iPhone 11 Pro premium. Uh, like if you look at all the way premium, this this might age very well. So I'm just saying the <laughs> premium flagship phone. This phone is about a third. Then if you mm -hmm. compare it to the 10R, which is kind of the in between each weird See, flagship phone. It's a, it's a, it's a bit, bit of weird. A weird. It's, I don't really know where the 10R fits in here. Yeah, it's uh, a bit weird. But that one is about twice the price almost. And then you have the new SC second generation, which is uh, yeah, the new baseline for, for kind of like a nice iPhone. And I think that's... It's hard. I, in a way, I, I do like Apple setup now. You have a laptop that you can recommend someone who wants an Apple yeah, laptop, which is the MacBook Air. Yeah. You have a iPhone, like an iPhone you can recommend to someone who wants an Apple iPhone, but not uh, also uh, have a money well in their backyard, which is the iPhone SH second generation. So I actually think it's quite nice. It's it's a very capable phone, right? It will be supported for a long time because it has the same chip that the, um, the current 11 Pro has, which is pretty impressive. Um, the it's the essentially iPhone 8 case, which was a really solid iPhone. It was, but it's uh, and oh, those bezels are mm, that's huge. Yeah, but now you can make the decision, <laughs> right? Are you I willing know. to spend uh, however many hundred extra dollars, depending on your your locale, mm -hmm. on on getting rid of those uh, bezels? Mm -hmm. And if so. How much do you want it? You, you know, you can get slight reduction mm. in the iPhone XR, or yeah. I guess not slightly, fairly significant reduction, or you go all the way to premium, which you pay like three times as much, mm -hmm. and therefore you have the smallest bezels in an iPhone. Mm -hmm. No, I, I really like that there is actually something to recommend to people. Like, I think many of my family members are not very technical, and they don't feel like they need to like run the latest or have the like most expensive phone they are happy with something that works really well and that's solid and reliable as so i think this will be a great recommendation for those type of scenarios mm. how do you like the phone zach i like it a lot um i was just i was just looking at apple's compare page because i was trying to get an indication of the price differences between the 11 pro mm. the 11 and the se but unfortunately on the compare page it doesn't of course have not. the starting <laughs> price no of course you why would you compare phones on price never um but no i actually quite like it. i think it's slightly disappointing that it's not like smaller in like that old form factor. Um, yep. 
like that's just like that's in an ideal world that's what it would be because that's a really cool design i i totally understand you can make a better phone by putting it in a larger case and there's mm-hmm. definitely advantages to that and i think they really delivered on the features um and i mean realistically they wanted something that does wireless charging right so you the old case just didn't have that. And this is the cheap phone. It does. It's not the, we have a massive R&D budget to spend on this one. It's mm-hmm. like, all right, we have an 8 case. What is the best we can put in an 8 case for yeah, like whatever? It's a, it's a tried and tested design. It's been around yeah. since 2014. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that, mm-hmm. like, no matter what they'll tell you, I mean, re-engineer, the 8 whatever, is a I'm bit sure. more recent, right? With a glass back. Mm-hmm. That's Yeah, yeah, true. But it's pretty similar to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really, really cool that the chip in there is the same as the flagships mm-hmm, mm-hmm. at the moment, the 11 and the 11 Pro, which means, does that mean it's better? Oh, no, sorry, it's on, it's on par with the 11. Um, what's, yeah, what's cool about that is it, like, it will last the same amount of time. Like, this is not going to be a phone that, it, you know, is going to fall off the, like, Apple's line in terms of performance or compatibility. Apple yeah. explicitly mentions that I know, on that's the actually one of their marketing uh, pushes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Um you do obviously skimp on the camera a little bit, um, mm. which is fine. Like, I think if you're in the market for a phone that's less than half the price of a flagship, then that's totally accept- a totally mm. acceptable place to make a trade-off. I, l- I really like that it starts at 64 gigs. You know, they didn't mm-hmm. say, oh, this is an amazing mm. phone, mm-hmm. but here's 32 gigs of storage. Yeah. Mm. Like Thank 64 you, gigs that. is plenty um, of gigs for most people. <laughs> absolutely. It's, it's like I have a 64 gig phone and I'm nowhere near close to filling it. Admittedly, I do use the iCloud photos storage mm-hmm. thing, um, but I've never come anywhere near that. I did struggle with 32 on the iPhone mm-hmm. 7. Um, but yeah, I think it's, I think it's really impressive. And as a fan of smaller phones, I like that side of things. It's cool that Touch ID isn't going away. It shows that Touch ID is still, I guess, a modern technology. Um, sure, it's not in the flagships, but it's still, <laughs> it's an old technology located. they still sell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but it's I fine. I mean, it, it uh, still means that there could potentially be updates coming out to it. I mean, not necessarily. Apple does whatever Apple mm-hmm. wants to do, you know, just mm-hmm. because they maintain the iPhone 8 case with whatever it came with which happened which happened to be a yeah. uh, touch id i don't think that's any indication of the future this is a device that's more designed for people who want to spend whatever 399 599 depending on where you live um and what currency you're paying um phone and i think that was the target what is the best thing we can do for this price target in this case mm-hmm. and yeah, that but actually happens have no to be this problems phone. recommending this to anyone who no, was asking no, about no. it because if you think like is the iPhone 11 Pro worth more than twice the iPhone SE in no, terms not. of money? Like, no, definitely not. <laughs> like, the, no. the SE definitely holds its place in the line. I don't, I would have struggled to recommend the old SE. Mm. Probably mm-hmm. the only time I would have recommended the old SE would really, not even money, it would be, um, if, if you had to go with a smaller phone for whatever mm-hmm. reason, if, you know, none of your pants fit. The, the other phones it's like that it was just it was a little bit beh- too far behind despite really liking the size but yeah, this is actually yeah, like it only a really makes sense if you're phone. an idiot and that's a category i i firmly sit in oh, so. you're not talking about the old iphone se you're talking about the iphone yeah uh, paying the, the upgrade 11. to 11 pro is is something for idiots and i, I think all three of us were, were comfortably in that realm yeah uh, of of spending way too much money on something that we 
that is both our job and hobby. And I yeah, think that's but okay we too. spoke about the eleven at the time being mm-hmm. the go-to phone. That nobody, if you if you have to ask why would I want the eleven Pro, you don't need it. Like yeah. the eleven yeah, should yeah. be your go-to. Yeah. And in my case, I would have got the eleven if it was more acceptably sized. Like mm-hmm. spec-wise, it's mm-hmm. great. Yeah. Uh, and I only got the Pro because I was fussy about the size of the phone and wanted mm-hmm. something smaller. Yeah, um, so it's very much like a personal preference. Like this is yeah, like you yeah. wanted something very specific that was only yeah. available there. Like Kai and I thought both. I think we both thought that it was a nicer phone for us. But overall, mm-hmm. it's it's not a f- like we would have been fine. Like as a as a phone for everyday use, the eleven would have been fine back then. No, and it, the SE is fine now as well. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and I don't um, think for the the um, the SE second generation, no one's going to buy this phone and then not be happy with it. Like, no, 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 because no. of what it is. Maybe people don't like iPhones. That's fine. But no <laughs> one's going to come from an iPhone, buy this as an iPhone, and then they're like, I'm so disappointed with X. Everything in this phone is just very, very solid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I actually think it got a lot more than I expected, like, as far as yeah. hardware goes, like, as far as the... the I, I thought it would not get an A13. I thought they would put in whatever the 10R has, right? Especially mm-hmm. if... if if it's supposed to be cheaper than the 10R, I thought like an A12 was already a pretty good chip for this. But nope, an A13 with all the processing I... and all the coprocessors it has. It doesn't have a the ultra-wideband chip, obviously, but... Mm-hmm. I wonder if this was always meant to have the latest processor or if that's a decision that was made more recently. I'm just thinking in terms of how expensive the pro model iPhones are. And also this uh, this period of economic uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Obviously, mm-hmm. decisions uh, were made before this period started. But even if you if you uh, like think six months ago, we knew we were sort of heading into a mm-hmm. a weird economic time. We didn't know how mm-hmm. bad it would be. No, like no one could have predicted that. But we knew that things were going to be up, bit up in the air. So it's like I wonder if this has come in to really just capture the low end market because it's it's surprisingly compelling versus what I would have assumed Apple would do for this price um, <laughs> and mm-hmm. for this phone because it competes with their flagship phone. And mm-hmm. up until now, the cheaper iPhones have never done that. Like, you look at the SE, when that came out, I'm pretty sure it was a processor behind already. Um, like, the, sorry, the original SE, there was a processor behind already. But this is, you know, this has the latest and greatest in there. And like we said, the longevity thing is a big selling point to this. It's not, it's not going to... Um, drop support for iOS updates any sooner than the current flagship. So it's weirdly it's weirdly placed in the lineup in that it mm-hmm. competes with phones more than twice its price. And mm-hmm. normally Apple doesn't want to do that. Normally there's a very clear distinction that mm-hmm. you either get the best or you get subpar. Mm-hmm. There's no the best spans from seven hundred and forty nine dollars to like sixteen hundred dollars talking in Australian yeah, dollars yeah. here. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's very so little it's not very often that you choose it basically just on looks right no, right exactly I mean, apple did for a very long time they had better uh, good better best right that was kind of what their lineups usually had now we're in in i don't know better odd best <laughs> but, but <laughs> like good the, better t- best was like oh double the storage or something it, but this is like and and pay an extra hundred dollars or two hundred dollars this is like wildly different like even it it does not make sense to consider the 11 pro over this phone if you're talking about like from a financial perspective like why Mm -hmm. why would anybody go and spend more than twice people who had the interest and uh, the financial resources to buy an iphone 11 pro probably did so already yeah yeah. this is you know this is kind of with i mean just around the corner in in air quotes uh for the next generation iphone 
and that's potentially also a segue um but that one it seems to be quite significant of an upgrade again right mm -hmm. so now maybe if you look at this at this point in time right we, we forget that the future will ever happen we forget anything else we're looking at this lineup right now and we're like you gotta buy the the se second mm -hmm. generation mm -hmm. But if we're now fast forwarding to September, October, whenever Apple will actually be able to ship the iPhone 11, uh, 12 Pro, there are significant improvements this time around that seem to be on the horizon, right? Mm -hmm. We probably see, again, a major CPU upgrade, which pe most people won't care about. It appears to be a very significant and maybe one of the most significant in a very long time uh, industrial design upgrades mm -hmm. that I'm incredibly excited about. <laughs> Which it's just exactly the iPhone I wanted since uh, we left the iPhone, like the uh, old, the, the old Etsy, yeah. iPhone five form factor, right? Mm -hmm. I was I was just hoping for us to get away from those rounded edged iPhones again. Mm -hmm. um, it will have all the new new camera array. Will have lighter. Will have whatever other interesting things Apple gets into that device, right? Uh, it's maybe looking less misplaced or less of a you know at, i think if we compare to the what we expect the 12 pro to be without knowing all of it it all of a sudden seems like 12 pro from from the industrial design leaks seems like a clearly more premium device mm -hmm. and maybe it makes yep. more sense if you look at it from that array and realistically if you now get a whole bunch of people to buy the the, the cheaper iphone as, as i said i don't think people will regret it mm -hmm. you know no one's like oh i've got the iphone se second generation now apple releases new i don't know fifteen hundred dollar phone no one's like man i should have waited and spent twice as much mm. yeah it's not the same market so of people. it just seems like a it seems like a pretty good mm -hmm. point but to, i do wonder um i think now it's um it feels like a very modern device um, and it was released just now but i do wonder if this will how what the release schedule will be like for this um since they are future proofing it does that mean that they will continue selling this for a while or does it mean that probably people right? should be able to keep it for a while i'm just curious to hear like if this is going to be the new iphone se sort of release schedule because i think the the, the previous one was released at least three years ago, right? 2016. So, yeah, yeah. So four, four years, years ago. ago. Um, so I wonder what, the, like, maybe, I mean, I think one reason why you would want to have as up-to-date hardware in the phone as possible is so that you can continue selling it for a long mm -hmm. time. So I'm curious to see, like, come next year this time around, like, I wonder if they will continue upgrading this and then it will still be really compelling and I think many people will opt for this rather than the, like, newest one that was released in the previous year. Like, the, the, like I guess next year it will be, let's say they release an iPhone SE third generation um, and there was just a iPhone 11 released. No, sorry, iPhone 12 released. I think... Too many numbers. Yeah, I know, I know, too many names. But I do think, like, if that's the release schedule they have, it will still be many people who are looking at this and think it's a great phone but if otherwise i think since the industrial design is changing so much this year and if this is not going to continue being updated there will be a clear differ differentiator between those two devices if, quite we look, soon. if we look at the previous the first generation iphone se it was essentially the same type of release right it was released in 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 spring like march ish mm -hmm. like similar time frame mm -hmm. to what it is right now it also came with it came like the 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 spring after the iPhone 6s was released. Mm -hmm. um, the iPhone 6s had the same processor as the iPhone SE. Like it was kind of the I same set. Yeah, they both had A9s. Did they? 
Yeah. So he had a flagship processor in it at the time too. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I mean, obviously the the jumps were different at that point in time, right? But it to, from a from a release strategy, it was very very similar. It's essentially the same thing, just that the case is now no longer the five generation case, but the the eight uh, generation case, right? So I, I I don't think this was necessarily that much of a uh, uh, like detour or kind of it, it feels like this phone seems to me to be designed with like the the previous generation's mm -hmm. industrial design to last for the next four years. Yeah, and I would yeah. be very much not surprised if we won't see an update for four years. Hence the flagship mm -hmm. processor and all the all the specs being super up to date right now. Mm -hmm. Next year you'll be like, well could use an update mm -hmm. then you kind of start forgetting about it and then in four years we're like holy smokes what a cheap iphone uh <laughs> third generation it's like it's this way to continue making us positive like wow look how stupid this is yeah but then you're um, like whoa it has all the specs from the iphone 15 pro mm -hmm. which pro max super duper which just came out and you know mm -hmm. i i think that seems to be destroyed like yeah. realistically also this phone sure it's cheap yeah. but it's at the lowest margin it will have in its lifetime. Yeah, it, yeah. The margins will only get better. It's a great time to release a cheaper phone, as we mm -hmm. talked about from from the state of the world. Um, and in in three years, <laughs> uh, Apple will make a lot more money off mm -hmm. this phone than yeah. like per unit than they do right now. Yeah, but I think from a consumer's point of view, this would be like really the best time to buy this because I think um, it's very it's not that much of a differentiator between this and the previous two, uh, and the 11 pros I think it's a really good phone now but I think it can quite quickly be uh, um, an okay phone but also right, if, if you look at continue. upgrade cycles right like I, I think most reasonable people will be roughly on four year upgrade cycles yeah yeah I'm not I don't mean to be negative about this I think this is just the reality obviously like now is the best time to buy the phone that just came out like uh, that, that's not uh, that's not rocket science uh, but i think in general um i do feel like it could potentially mean that the release schedule will be similar to the previous se but it would be cool if this is just a, a different tier phone that is continuously being released sort of like mm. the product red used to be released in the spring like this is just a phone that's continuously being released every march or april or wh whatever uh, in the previous form factor but i do feel like that's sort you of mean what every year yeah, like no, that would be cool, but that's sort of what the R is at the moment already, or I guess eleven. Yeah, but it's also well. I think the SE is really the like this is supposed to be the, the we we know for sure this industrial design is fine. We mm. put in the the process at a time where our yields are good enough. You know, in the beginning, uh, the A generation processor the yields won't be as good i mean then we've seen like the ipad pro actually now having essentially the same processor uh just with a extra gpu enabled that was before that still in there just disabled that's probably a result of the yields being pretty good now um so they put that chip that has good yields now into the cheaper phone um those will only get better um and then we wait four years because this is supposed to not require it compared uh, not it's not easy to build a phone either way right it's not like the three of us could put together an iphone to, uh, next week if we wanted to it's still it's still an, an impressive device um but apple has all the people and all the tools and all the infrastructure to build those and then in four years i think uh, my my guess at this point is just this will continue like this this is the every four-year phone that is the the cheaper phone on a on a reliable known 
easy to produce by now form factor. Sometimes they even have certain concessions, right? The SE, I think, didn't have the same chamfered edges because that was kind of expensive with the mm-hmm. diamond, whatever process they mm-hmm. made. Because that was expensive and they didn't do that. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. Like, because it was now not no longer a flagship phone, but the, the entry level or the cheaper phone, which for Apple standards is still a great phone. And that's, that's it's a, a bit like cycle, how right? the um, 11 Pro feels so much more premium than the 11 with the yeah. edges and the mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. stainless steel and yeah, mm-hmm. it's just, yeah. So it, it's completely unnecessary. Nobody needs that for their phone <laughs> to function. <laughs> but <laughs> look, if you're paying absurd amounts of money for yeah. a pocket computer, you kind of do want it to look nice. <laughs> I know, but it might also mean that the iPhone SE third generation, because <laughs> surely people, when they started listening to this podcast, except expected that we'll talk about the iPhone in four years. Um, the first rumors are already <laughs> out. Wow. Thanks, It Kai. wouldn't surprise me if that one is based on the 10R type case mm-hmm. rather than the, the Pro case, right? Yeah, because yeah but that then it's e- not small. Yeah, I know you can do it cheap. I don't but. think... Th- it, it, it. I don't... I, I mean, mean it could who knows be. what the 12, 14, 14R yeah. looks like, right? It might, mm. in general, that phone's kind of change in size by then. I'm, I'm curious to see if the R is still going to be something that's coming around or if it's going to be sort of like the 11 is at the moment. Because the 11 is yeah, maybe that. before. Like yeah, it's, yeah. We have 11 Pro and 11. 11. Yeah, so it might be more I think the only one. reason the 11 needs to exist in this world <laughs> that we live in is because the Pros are so expensive. Mm-hmm. The phone, mm-hmm. it's not actually a, like, it's a good phone, but it doesn't really serve a purpose that the 11 Pro or the, like, that couldn't be served by the 11 or the 11 Pro or this one that isn't money. Like, yep. it's, yeah, it's, that, but fa- that the phone same, makes less and less sense. Can't you say the same about the 10R as well, then? Yeah, the 10R yeah. Took, takes that same place. And I think the 10R yeah. is just there as another phone for them to sell. It's an old phone. Um, but the 11 and the 10R have just always struck me as a bit odd. And, and I think it I think it really is just to hit a price point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, but either way, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the, the third generation SE is just whatever right now the, the cheaper premium one is. That case and with the latest chips and everything, as much as they can cram into that for to then last for another four years until they do the fourth generation SE. And I think that's a good cadence. Like, if I would be in charge of my family's uh, mobile computing needs, I would say now is a good time time to to go onto that train right go on the se train upgrade your se every four years if assuming that's staying the same that would be amazing they always have really nice phones they like those phones will last four years comfortably Mm -hmm. maybe they need a battery replacement depending on usage over over like four years but that is manageable and then an upgrade after four years. I think that is a really good cadence to be on if you don't care $1,500 worth of money about your phone. Mm-hmm. And I you know, can, can't think of a better phone for, for that kind of cadence and for that price point and those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So because talking about one new iPhone in a week isn't enough, what's happening <laughs> with the rumored 12 or whatever <laughs> it's going to be called? Yeah, I think we touched on that already. I think... Sorry. <sighs> I, I actually this... hadn't heard about these rumors or leaks or whatever until you mentioned it in the pre-show, so I would love to be filled in. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I think this is quite... It's quite common this time of year before a new phone is released, especially in a new form factor, that um, you start seeing some... Do you call it cat? Um, yeah, like the 3D... Yeah, like 3D cat renderings. renderings. Mm. Cat renderings yeah. um, of, of devices. And I think this is often leaked to case manufacturers. Um, so, 
there have been some leaks now of what the industrial design is expected to look like, and it seems legit um, according to like I think both Nine to Five Mac um, and Mac rumors. At least Nine to Five Mac mentioned that it seemed like a trustworthy source. I think Bloomberg also kind of chimed in with similar uh, details, mm. so it seems pretty reasonable, as close to confirmed as we can get this time a year before a new iPhone release. Yeah, yeah. So it seems like it will take on pretty much the iPad, the new iPad um, industrial design. So you get back to the flat edges instead of the roundy one, the rounded ones, and roundy ones, the roundy ones. <laughs> and I would be re- 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 really, really, <laughs> yes, too many R's. I would be very happy uh, if this is the case because uh, uh, ever since the new iP- uh, iPad design came out, I've been sort of wanting. Like this is the uh, the phone design i've been wanting for a long time because mm-hmm. although i really like the current industrial design it is quite it feels a bit unsecure when holding it when it has the when it has the rounded rounded sides so, so i would be very I've happy been about thinking this. about this though and as much as i agree and i miss the uh, rounded edges sorry the um the flatter edges of the mm-hmm. uh, like iphone 5 style phone how this w- i'm wondering how this will hold up with larger phones, uh, could it get more uncomfortable? I've got the problem at the moment with my iPad. Admittedly, it's not one of the pros with the um, like rounded, sorry, with the um, straight edges. But it's <laughs> what's that with one- you two? <laughs> oh, God. words, shapes. Um, yeah. Anyway, w- with my iPad, I've been holding it up like in bed, and it like kind of cuts designers. into my hands, and it's quite uncomfortable. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, um, yeah, because the the current phones, while they are slippery and like. Yeah, they're, they're quite slippery, but they are comfortable to hold with the roundedness. Um, mm-hmm. and, and the SE or the, like that style of phone, I always found okay because the phone was so thin and light that, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. it wasn't really a problem. It was easy to hold. It was still comfortable, but I'm, I'm curious. I could be totally wrong how this holds up to a phone that is really quite heavy. Like the 11 Pros are like sturdy things. Like they're, they're not light devices. Um, and so yeah, how that holds up when it's kind of pressing into your hand. I don't know. I could be totally mm-hmm. wrong and it, it could be fine, but I am it, curious. It would about be that. interesting. I, I yeah. agree. The, I it's, mean, it's, it's, hard it's hard to, to, it's hard to say, but some, uh, one person had been printing a 3D version of the phone and sort of tried to hold it, um, like you would hold a phone, but, it, and he said that it was comfortable, even though it was a lot bigger. But I mean, <laughs> and it, made from plastic, it was so also made from helped. plastic and I don't know about the size of this guy's hands either. So only 25 <laughs> um, grams. I I don't know if I gave much Im- interesting information here, but according to this random person, it might be comfortable. But I do think at least, yes, I agree. Like it might be hard when it's that big, but at least it's only the size that's the problem and not the shape. To be fair, this is also only the um, 12 Pro Max that was leaked, not the whatever uh. we think the smaller one is, right? Ooh. So there are a few things like if you see it in someone's hands, have to compare it to the max, not mm-hmm. the, the regular one. And people who compared the the actual sizes, so apart from it obviously looking different, and I think it looks very sleek. Um, I mean, also means it. You know, it, if you need to take a picture, you can prop it up on the table and, and it will stand, which is kind of nice. Um, uh, will that work with the buttons, though? I th- we will see. We'll see. <laughs> um, is the rumor that it only this uh, design change is only applied to the larger one? No, I don't think it so. Just, uh, yeah, it's no, just that that's so. the cat rendering okay. that, that yeah. was leaked. Yeah. I see. Um, but that means we don't really know. Maybe the smaller one will be slightly smaller as a result of that, mm-hmm. or or it won't. Um, but even even if we compare the 
rumored or leaked, whatever this design is, whatever you want to call it, if we compare that one to the 11 Pro Max, it is about 10% thinner, which probably helps with grippability, right? Because it still means you have less to reach around. Um, and it is probably as a result of that, I would assume slightly lighter. Um, and what what makes you think it's a little bit lighter? Because like cutting 10% of thickness is, and the iPhone is fairly consistent in weight across its entire footprint, right? Mm-hmm. I would, I would expect it to be, uh, lighter because less material. I less... don't know if that's better though. I think it feels securer when it's a bit heavier. I don't know. I, I, again, I, I, at least it's hard to just look at the current 11 Pro and say, I don't know how this will feel for the, for the 12 Pro, mm-hmm. right? I find it interesting. I do think in general, it's easier to hold on to things that are not around it. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I'm very optimistic towards this industrial design. It also just looks really cool. <laughs> yeah, because I, uh, I've pulled up the pictures since, even though I didn't see the article during the week. Um, it's making me kind of want to upgrade, where I was not planning <laughs> on upgrading this year. So yeah. we'll What see. I wonder about this, uh, I think, I mean, I don't keep my phone in my pocket because my pockets aren't big enough, because no women's pockets are big enough for a mm-hmm. phone anymore. <laughs> um, but Kai, I think you often have a problem that your the current form factor slides out of your pocket quite easily. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if this will help for that as well. Like even if it's likely, even if it's not much more comfortable to hold, it will at least be a bit more secure in your pocket. Maybe, maybe. I mean, that wouldn't be an upgrade reason, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> Anything that you can take an, as an excuse to upgrade. Mm. <laughs> but otherwise, also like uh, the, based on the rumored renderings, like the the bezels are, are thinner mm-hmm. kind of goes from 2.52 millimeters to 1.55 millimeters which is a very significant reduction mm-hmm. in bezel size uh there were also mentions of like the camera array potentially becoming smaller which means mm. even more screen that you, you can look at um and then obviously the, the 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 camera array in the back is a perfect square where you now have an additional sensor which is the lidar sensor mm. So three cameras plus lighter. Yeah, I definitely think this is a very appealing phone and I will most likely buy it. I'm not going to try it saying anything else. I will most likely buy it. Mm. That yeah. sounds fair and uh, mm. like a reasonable assumption. Mm. Yeah. I well, think I should just be honest with myself. <laughs> but I think this is, this is like, again, this is the phone I've... I was hoping for this industrial design for a long time. If they now can make the uh, 12 Pro slightly smaller... Like in in all dimensions, mm-hmm. um, especially with I I would really really like that phone. Yeah. Not that I wouldn't buy it either way. So if if anyone's listening and they're like I really want to sell a phone to Kai, just make a new one. <laughs> um, but if if <laughs> but making it slightly smaller would definitely make me even more excited about uh, the new phone. I don't know if I would like it taller though. I wouldn't need it taller. I'm, I'm. Like, yeah, but if, you, yeah. So you want it smaller? You said you're happy to have it less wide. If if we instead also- of what it appears with the um, 12 Pro leak, mm-hmm. the bezel just get uh, did shrink, and therefore the the screen becoming bigger. Mm-hmm. I would mm-hmm. like that for the smaller phone to go the other direction. So the bezel is shrinking, and therefore the the case is smaller, but yeah. the screen stays the same. So if the screen size is the same. Mm-hmm. But the entire f- phone around it is shrinking. That would, I mean, to me, that makes sense too, right? Mm-hmm. Because 
realistically, people who buy the smaller phone either want to save a hundred bucks or they want a smaller phone. And making that smaller phone, <laughs> yeah, sli- I think they most likely want the smaller phone, right? Mm. I mean, especially if you pay already fifteen hundred mm. for for the phone in the first place. Um, and then if the people who explicitly decide that they want a smaller phone, giving the same screen size that people like from the eleven Pro, which is the only reason we want to have bigger phones, right? No one's saying I really like bigger phones because they don't fit in my hands. People say I want bigger phones because big it's, screens are nice. Yeah, yeah. No, so if you can get the same size sense. screen, that is, I, I don't think, realistically, most people who buy an 11 Pro say, oh, I like everything about the phone, but I wish the screen would be bigger than it is, but not as big as the Max. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't think there's a lot for that. So I, I hope the decision there is to shrink the, the actual case slightly yeah. to, to still fit the same screen size. Yeah. And that... Plus the, the slightly reduction in, in thickness, mm-hmm. plus the new industrial design, I think that could yeah. but I do a think really, really nice phone. Shape in turn, yes, yeah, nice phone. Mm. Uh, but I do think that if you would already make it slimmer, that would make the make it a bit harder to fit things inside of the phone as well. So I'm not sure how how much they can afford losing width of the phone as well. Maybe I mean, yeah, it doesn't to- sound like things like battery would get better this year if yeah. that's the case. And that's okay. Like first of all, no one's going out. Second of all, I think the 11 Pro had really, really good uh, battery life. Like since I've I've had issues where like busy days would run through my battery, I've not had that one. Ah, uh, that's not true. I had a, a weird beta install once that ran through battery. Like, <laughs> yeah, but that's sort of your fault. Yeah, but like for as far as release builds of iOS go, I have not had a day even with heavier usage that would even get close to running out of battery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm very much the to... same. I th- I think I have run out of battery one day, um, but it wasn't like a day. Like if I had to be careful and get through a whole day, I could like, if I'd known mm. from the start of that day that I was, mm. yeah. it's good. It's very nice to not have to carry. I haven't carried a battery pack since upgrading mm. this phone, which is awesome. Um, yeah. Mm. Uh, considering I've done a bit of travel in that time too. So uh, <laughs> it's always a good yeah. sign. And then, realistically, the A14 chip will probably be more efficient again. So, there's already a certain level of battery saving there. And that is actually also a decent reason for going with a slightly smaller... Rather, not increasing the screen size, because, I mean, it's also a smaller screen, less less light to, to produce. So, I mean, mm-hmm. but then again, you trade that for, for size of, of potential battery that could be under that screen. I don't know what, what the math are there, w- w- which direction... Would the extra few millimeters in in width and and height offset the cost of illuminating that type of display? I don't know. Either way, I I want to throw those. Make it work. <laughs> well, you saw that this year with the eleven and eleven Pro and eleven Pro Max, where the eleven like the eleven Pro Max, sorry, the larger one always had better battery, <laughs> but now this year, this, I think the smaller ones come up to be almost on par, if not slightly better, um, which was a sort of a big breakthrough. Um, so Is that I don't know the what case. Isn't the yeah. 10R the battery champ or something? Not anymore. Not anymore. So they were all the comparisons were being done to the 10R, and now these new ones are like an extra hour over the 10R. So okay, okay. Um, yeah, I it's mean like the, the 10R best battery life in any phone. And the, the 11 10R doesn't have an OLED screen, right? So no, that's right. Mm-hmm. It would yeah. make sense that it's a bit less battery efficient. Yeah, I'm not sure. Depending the, on because the originally the 10R yeah. was like the champion of battery life, because now all mm. the comparisons are to other phones. Which mm-hmm. doesn't make mm-hmm. it like they don't give hours anymore. It's very confusing. <laughs> oh, really? Huh. Mm. Either way, uh, I'm I'm very excited about that. Uh, when do you think we'll see that phone? Do you think we're on track for mm. September, or do you think we'll see in a, a late iPhone 12? I wouldn't be surprised if it's pushed to at least October. 
um mm-hmm. Yeah, what, what are you thinking? I mean, October wouldn't be bad, right? That's like a couple of weeks. Yeah, it seems I mean, feasible. it makes sense that they definitely want it out before Christmas, right? And I don't, uh, mm. uh, but I do think there are many reasons to have delays at the moment. So uh, it's also understandable if things are delayed, but probably... I'm, th- I'm wondering if WWDC would be delayed or it would just be happening later in the year than it usually is. Do you think they would wait with releasing the iPhone? Do you think they would try to keep the same time period between WWDC and the iPhone release so that people can adopt to new features quicker? The thing is, the, the phones time? ship with software, and that's like half of the phone. So, mm-hmm. if software is delayed, even by a few weeks, mm-hmm. surely that has a flow-on effect to mm-hmm. the phones. You don't mm-hmm. want to be in, and I imagine, especially after iOS 13, you don't want to be in a position where you have to bring forward that point one release because yeah. the point oh is just such a disaster. What do you mean? What was the problem with iOS 13? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I think both from, both from the perspective that Apple needs to finish the software themselves and also from the perspective that developers, third-party developers also need to have a chance to to adopt to the new phone um, or to new APIs, whatever is coming out. Especially if you get a slightly change in, in screen size, right? Yeah, yeah. You know what, though? It's a great year to be running betas on your phone because who cares if your Maps app breaks? Who cares if you can't <laughs> yeah. make a phone call? You're all at home all the time anyway. You can spend the next five hours restoring your phone yeah. if you really have to. iOS 14 beta 1 breaks to front-facing camera. <laughs> no one notices. <laughs> I mean, people FaceTime and stuff a lot more. Mm. Oh, yeah, true. Look at you being locked in with your family. <laughs> no, but I won't FaceTime from my phone. Like, despite it being the best front-facing camera I've got, I don't know if I've ever made a FaceTime call on that phone. Actually, really? I lied. I made one last week. But it was very, very short. <laughs> Jeez, you guys are full. You guys are so I, I had to very quickly call my grandparents, and it was for like two minutes, and I was like, well, I might as well do FaceTime. So, yeah. All right. Thanks now- for coming clean with us. <laughs> I like how, how this is a pattern now where you briefly lie to us and then come clean within seconds. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, so, yeah. Monin, now the battery segue. Boop, boop, boop. Okay, so speaking of batteries, <laughs> um, there was a new uh, beta coming out for macOS uh, for battery health management. Have you guys installed this beta? Yes. But yeah? Yes. Not on a device that has a battery. Oh, At least well, not have. a battery that... That powers the macOS operating. Well, so your opinion is useless. Sack. <laughs> did you install this? No change. I did. I did on, yeah, one of my computers. Um, I don't know what Have I'm meant to be. Have you anything? No. Like, go to it the just energy doesn't saver. Necess- it doesn't necessarily charge all the way to 100, right? I did go yeah. to energy saver and I couldn't find anything in there. Battery health? Yeah. Uh, energy and then, saver. And then you, there's a checkbox that says battery health management. There is nothing that says anything about battery health. Maybe my Mac is incompatible. No, it should be. It's a USB-C Thunderbolt one. Uh, what is the build you're running? Uh, that is a good question. About this Mac. 19F62F. That's the one. Who knows? Don't know. <laughs> okay, know but either. in theory, I haven't updated either. Yeah. So I don't know if this is a topic we want to talk about. But in oh, theory, I think this seems really interesting. Yeah, because yep. I think many people do often... When everyone uses their uh, laptops differently, I think I've been working at many companies where the default computer everyone gets is a laptop and then people leave it plugged in all day. Um, and for that, I think it's great to be able to have something like this so that you don't uh, like con- continuously uh, keep on charging your Mac to full power, right? So that, um, as I understand this, it will be similar to how the iPhone works. So hmm. it will sort of smartly detect 
what intervals you t- or when you tend to unplug your computer if you do and then it tends to um wait with f- fully charging your computer until that time mm-hmm. uh, but i think i assume that if it's if, if if you plug it out before that you would just have 95% or something like that which is still well like which is still good enough of battery percentage i think there's not really much of a harm to load less, ba- like to fill up less battery, to charge less battery uh, than hundred in those cases either. I mean, we've had this in iPhones for for a little bit yet, and I've not been burned by it once. So mm. if it works anywhere close to the level of reliability, I mean, yeah. iPhones are probably easier, right? Because usage patterns are probably very consistent from day to day. Yeah, but I would think that I'd say you most and I people don't plug in a... overnight on an iPhone. Yeah, yeah. but I yeah, think... it's easier to know what time someone wakes up. Mm. But I think, Kai, you and I, we don't really have a great consistent pattern for those things. No. Like I, I tend to leave my phone on the charger for quite a long time nowadays when, I mm. don't, uh, when I'm not going anywhere or when I'm not wearing pants with pockets. <laughs> so um, I think it works, it works surprisingly. Like, I think it works well every time. It's, I haven't really paid much attention to it. And I think that just shows that it is working quite well. Yeah. Um, I haven't really taken it off the charger, noticing that it's very low in battery at any time. Um, and it's not that's not what it does either, right? It's not staying at one percent and exactly. then it goes from one percent to a hundred yeah. five minutes before you wake up. it's, yeah. it's, it's like it stays at, around like ninety percent. Yeah, eighty ninety something. Yeah, but it also can then kind of adjust based on the battery health and the age of your battery and those kind mm. of things. And then and I think the great thing with this is that it's meant to sort of help you have a healthier battery for a longer time so you mm-hmm. don't have to worry about like future potential issues um or like throttling off of apps um when you're running it at a later stage yeah and i think that's really important especially as most people probably leave their laptops plugged in a lot of the time i know especially mm-hmm. working from home now it's like my laptop has almost become a desktop in the sense <laughs> that like for maybe a couple of hours a day i'll take it downstairs and work Plugging the lounge it or something, in isn't but, what makes it a desktop but i but I'll it's let like it slide it's the, for this. the computer that's just here it's always on the screen's open it's plugged it's into a, a monitor the desk, okay. it's, yeah so it's just part of it um mm. maybe performance wise it's not the same mm. but yeah, or reliability, or size. All right, all right, Mister <laughs> IMAX for the win. Um, but yeah, like it's it's like uh, especially in our industry, everyone uses a laptop for sitting at a table for like, know. between know. eight and twelve hours. Yep. So it's it's it's. Uh, I mean, again, that's why people should use real computers. But if they don't, then now they will last longer, which is is great in in a lot of ways. First of all, you, you have computers that last longer. That makes sense. Second of all, you don't have to replace batteries that you broke while knowing that you were breaking them, which is like environmental impact and financial impact and all those those kind of things. Definitely makes the product nicer because mm-hmm. people will use Apple products and say, "Hey." I've not swapped a battery in my laptop since I bought it in 1959. Mm-hmm. You know, that's... that's good it's just overall a good feature if it is works is that what they use to send people to the moon like <laughs> <laughs> same one that's that's where the name macbook air comes from ah, <laughs> nice. so many nice fixes now when we can hook into upkit stuff <sighs> so much nicer can change good. the scroller and i by now we should have just written it in AppKit. i learned so much more about AppKit than i thought yeah but now you'll be like swift ui experts you know I don't know. I don't know. I, I wonder if people can be Swift UI experts right now. It feels like a. I wonder if we get the dividends paid later, as we have. To, we can remove some of our hacks and things work nicer, and yeah. we already have something that benefits from it. Um, 
Because I, I feel like sometimes you're like, all right, I implement this in nice Swift UI, mm -hmm. and then you realize something doesn't work, and then you're in, in hack mode, right? You you just because we committed to this, yeah, we got to get it out. We got to make it work. Mm -hmm. So we're not trying to make a nice, nice, nice code or follow a Swift UI pattern. To like, what what can we do? <laughs> how what parts do we have to break in which way to make it work the way we want? And mm -hmm. how do we prevent that from breaking the entire app if anything changes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's 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 sometimes hard, like because we cannot afford to. Sometimes I feel like the time we spend is spent on making it work rather than becoming Swift UI experts. Like we can, we're probably experts at building Swift UI apps for macOS today. Yeah, yeah. But I don't, I wouldn't say that's equivalent to being a Swift UI expert, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. But I still think we have a very realistic experience experience about Swift UI and how to actually use it in production, even if we don't. Even if we're not expert at Swift UI, I think yeah. this is definitely a valuable experience. I would be happy to give like talks about how to use Swift UI for an actual ah, production. Nice. Yeah, but there's a difference between making a production app in Swift UI for macros and being Swift UI experts. I think I see sometimes blog posts from people who I think are more on the Swift UI paradigm experts mm -hmm. more yeah. so than I, I feel like I am. Yeah. But they also didn't build anything that's a useful app. Yeah. Fair on, especially on macOS. <laughs> you know, where where it's like if if you need to figure out if you've never heard about an NS outline view, <laughs> which is a thing on an, on a Mac, um, you know, that's not a thing I thought I would need to read the documentation about to do certain things in our app, considering that we are like, hey, we're building Swift UI, but yeah. we did. So it's like, I, in that sense, it's kind of nice. I learned a lot more about AppKit, despite the reason of writing SwiftUI for macOS was to not write AppKit. Mm -hmm. But it, uh. the outcome is, is a bit different. I wonder how that will change. I mean, I do hope that we'll see SwiftUI 1.5 or 2, or at least 1.0 for macOS <laughs> um, uh, this year. Yeah. Uh, and there were certain things that were fixed, but none of the kind of major things that were API added, additive things on macros didn't happen. And yeah. I thought it would be more than, than did happen. So I wonder if that just means they held all of that because certain things have been rethought, or if that means it will kind of stay this way and then all of our hacks are super valuable. I yeah. don't know. We'll see. Cool. Should cool. we do picks? Things of the week. Should we do things of the week? Woohoo. Yes. Sure, let's, let's do it. Get into it. All right, who wants to get started? You should, Marlon. All right, <laughs> I will. So, cool. uh, my thing this week, um, I really hope no one picks this. I didn't even verify this. Um, but I uh, uh, certainly haven't. I mean, you haven't, no, but I thought maybe Zach. I will get to it. So, uh, now when I'm working from home more and more, uh, I built myself a weird stand-up desk um, at my kitchen counter. Um, and I felt like I still use a laptop. I still have a MacBook Pro uh, 11 inch, no, 13 inch. Um, and I just felt like I needed some more space, um, some more screen real estate. And then I got reminded about Sidecar, which I feel like it's something that I should have tried a while ago, but I didn't feel like I needed it at that point. But now I we really... We also just didn't think of it 
existing. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I knew about it when it came out, but it was just nothing that I tried out for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but this this week, I've been trying to actually use Sidecar a lot, and especially for doing uh, website development. I had like um, the website rerunning, uh, be, like being being rendered uh, on the iPad on a separate screen, and then I kept on all doing all the development on my main screen, and it worked really well. So I recommend that. So for people who haven't heard, uh, Sidecar is a thing by Apple um, that is available if you have an iPad. So if you have an iPad that's logged into the same account as you're logged into on your Mac, you can connect it and use it as a separate monitor, and then just. Do like it acts like a Mac. Uh, all of the input that you do on the iPad is through your mouse and the cursor. And I found I have some mixed experiment experiences with how this works. I would say I really recommend this if you need more screen real estate and as like a separate monitor, it works really nice, really nicely. But I do found that it's a little, it's a bit of an input lag. Uh, when it comes to like cursor input, so if I move uh, on the on the iPad screen, I notice that it's a bit sluggish uh, from time to time. Um, so I wouldn't recommend it to be like the main screen that you're working on, but just for the sake of like having a separate screen aside, like I use it for example for the simulator as well, just to put that on a separate screen, and it works really nicely for that. Are you um, using it through a cable? No, I'm not. Uh, Are you? That does make a difference for right. input lag. Yeah. Highly recommend. That. Yeah, so maybe I should try to. But yeah, no, try try yeah. it through a cable, um, because that will dramatically reduce the input lag. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I assumed so, um, but I do have a limit of ports on my computer, and I didn't want to. I, I felt like since I mostly want to use it as an external monitor, I didn't really try that out yet. But yeah, when I'm want to use it more, like more and more to actually do input on, I will I will connect it. And realistically, right? You had a mostly static page yeah. that would like hot reload every time you change a exactly. line of code. It's, yeah. it, you probably wouldn't notice it unless you actually mouse over there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, th- that 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 being your main use case, it, I think it's fine. Mm. Have you tried at all to use the uh, pencil for for input directly on the iPad? No, I haven't. That would be interesting. Have yeah. you? Yeah. No. Okay. I How wonder- does it work in it from an input perspective? Is it just like mm. using a mouse? That's the idea, but yeah. I I don't know if the mouse actually moves over there or, or if you kind of get a second cursor. Uh, that would be okay. quite neat. I because think. if you do get a second like invisible cursor that you kind of mm. where you do click whenever you tap on on the screen, that would be quite cool. If it would actually move your mouse over there, it would be more annoying, I think, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. then you constantly yeah, have to move your mouse back and forth. Yeah. Oh, I will try that out and report back. Sounds good. Mm. Good pick. Cool. Kai. Shall I go next? Yeah. We'll just keep keep the, Has this been the order we have in the document. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that you're not answering, Kai, makes this a bit more suspicious. I have a feeling. I it's definitely know. been mentioned. Like, it might have been in our year in review, though. It might not have been as a pick. I'm not sure. When I searched, I couldn't find it. Nope. I, I picked a different one, a competitor. Oh, okay. To this one. Very, it's called Image Optim. This one is Optimage. Oh, okay. Yeah, Image Optim is what I'm thinking of. Yeah, okay. Because mm. that's the one I use. <laughs> okay. mm. Nice. All right. <laughs> Go for it. Um, cool. So, uh, my thing of the week is uh, a advanced image optimization tool called... Uh, I, I struggle pronouncing this. Optimage? Optimage? No, definitely not Opt- that. <laughs> image. Optimage. Optimage. 
Probably Optimage. Optimage sounds the weirdest. Um, let's go with that. And it's it's a tool. There there are quite a few of them. It's it's a very simple uh, macOS app. You that is essentially a window where you can drag things into, and when you drop images into them, it makes them smaller. And ideally, with very very limited uh, image quality loss. So as we were doing a lot of web development lately, and we wanted our website to be as fast and and small as possible, we used it a lot for optimizing all of our our assets we have uh, on on our website um but i also do the same for like um let's uh, ios apps and basically everything any kind of image asset that i want to ship in something where where i care about the size um i use uh, optimage to to get them to not be as large Mm. And for for our use case, we kind of got a reduction of between thirty and fifty percent of um, the original size. Mm-hmm. And I did like um, I, I used Tower's image diffing tool to kind of put them on each other and then switch back and forth. And they they look to me they looked identical. So definitely good enough to to save significant amount of of data. Um, and I, I think it's really nice and it's really really fast and really uh, efficient at what it does. You surprisingly. You get surprisingly much for free with it for for it being a paid app. Mm-hmm. You can pay fifteen dollars and then you unlock the whole thing. The free plan or the free download uh, allows you to do f- twenty four images a day, which is uh, quite a lot for I would assume most use cases. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do sometimes do that for like um, larger batches. Um, like if you I don't know, you you have an app where people can upload the images, and every now and then you kind of run a a batch job to make them all smaller. Maybe then you would want to pay, or you're a professional uh, web designer that does nothing else but putting images on the web. Maybe then it makes sense too. Mm-hmm. But for me, I'm I'm I would be fine with a free plan, and it does generate better uh quality images at usually smaller sizes than most of their competitors, because they do quite a lot of interesting optimization kind of sometimes even pick multiple like some of the images actually take a little bit of time to optimize because it runs all the algorithms on them then it does some kind of a comparison in in size and quality and then picks the best one so sometimes if you're if you're like not in a hurry it's actually quite good because rather than just picking whatever uh the default algorithm is to shrink a png it tries all of them and then picks the best one which is nice and that's the same for svgs and pdf assets as well uh, so if you want to get your vector smaller by uh, cutting out things that are not actually needed or just reducing line spacing, it does that as well. So yeah, very, very nice uh, application if you're ever in a situation where you have an image and you want it to be less large. Mm. Yeah, that's been really, really useful. Um, I think it's a really good pick. Mm. So Zach, what's your thing this week? My pick is an app called DreamLab. It's built by the Vodafone Foundation or commissioned by the Vodafone Foundation anyway. Um, it's been around for a while. It, the idea is turning a network of phones into essentially a, a supercomputer to crunch uh, data um, numbers and things like that, sort of bring them all together to create like a supercomputer instead of having, you know, one computer that's doing this in a single location, you sort of distribute the um, the load and it helps scientists sort of solve um, complex problems uh, calculations that they need to do by sort of... Is that similar to folding at home? Yes, it is. It's very similar. Okay. Um, And so it's been around for a while and it's been primarily focused on cancer research until now, but uh, maybe just over a week ago, they added a COVID-19 project um, Mm -hmm. helping um, crunch some research numbers for um, COVID-19 research. So um, 
uh, yeah, I want to call it out this week. It's I've got it set up on an old Android phone that's just sort of sitting in my room, plugged in, um, doing its thing. It's um, you need the you need your phone to be plugged in and connected to power for it to work. It works far better mm-hmm. on Android because you can lock the phone and it can run in the background. Mm-hmm. Whereas on iOS, you need to keep the screen on. Um, fortunately, okay. while it's running, it does some smarts and it dims the screen significantly, but it, you can still see that it's on in a dark mm-hmm. room. Um, so it's probably not great for a primary device. Um, also, if you're using wireless charging, it's probably not great for your phone. I don't know how it works mm-hmm. with OLED burn-in either. Like, it's probably, mm-hmm. again, not going to be good. So, that's why I've got it running on an Android phone, which I can lock the screen on and just leave <laughs> plugged in Because more Android phones got to die. Yeah, who cares about the Android phone? Um, but no, it's a pretty cool initiative and uh, especially cool now that they've got that uh, COVID research project. So, it's mm-hmm. a small, small way you can help contribute to a massive problem. But uh, if mm-hmm. you've got a spare phone lying around that you can afford to leave plugged in, go for it. Um, Cool. Hmm. All right. Do you remember how we promised uh, to talk about all the contact tracing this week? I feel like <laughs> we could rename our podcast to the podcast of broken promises. <laughs> mm. We'll have more information next week. 